Thank you for joining us and listening to this message from the Ministry of Grace Providence Church in Cerritos, California. For more information, visit our website at www.graceprovidencechurch.org. Let's turn to Mark chapter 3. This is a short reading this morning, and I thought we needed a a sermon just on this text. Some of you might have questions about this, the unpardonable sin, as it's been called. Verses 28 to 30. Just to remind you of the context, remember last week we started this section that began at verse 20. And goes to the end of the chapter. And it's two stories. Begins with one story and then a story is inserted into the first one that begins. First one that has not finished yet. It's going to finish next week in verses 31 to 35. So Mark interjects a story into the middle of a story. So we're actually looking at the conclusion of the middle story this morning. So Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, or the scribes, particularly. These words apply to them. They had just accused Jesus of being possessed by Beelzebul and casting out demons by the power of Satan. So after being charged with that, this is what he has to say. Verse 28. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of men, and whatever blasphemies they utter. Glorious promise right there. Beautiful promise. This is the bright side of this text. Verse 29, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Now Mark interjects, for they had said he has an unclean spirit. So you can see why Jesus said this and what prompted it. So we want to look at this this morning. These are the words of Jesus, so they're very, very important. It's important to understand this section of Scripture, to appreciate what it says. It's his conclusion to the inserted story. So first of all, I just want you to note how Jesus introduces this saying. It's the beginning of verse 28. It begins with amen, actually, in the original. The Greek word is amen. uh, John's gospel has Jesus saying 25 times, amen, amen, and then follows a very profound and important statement. That's in the gospel of John. Mark has Jesus saying just amen here one time. You know, usually amen comes at the end of what somebody says. You, you punctuate what they said with amen, meaning that's true, I agree with that, may it be so. 
and so on. It kind of has that effect. If you ever want to get me pumped up as a preacher, say amen. That's like saying sick him to a dog. Yeah. But Jesus says, truly, I say to you. So this is, this is unusual that he begins with that word. This is the idiom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody spoke like this. This is his unique way of saying something. Truly or truly, truly, as John records it. So it's, it's right off he's emphasizing the importance of what he's going to say. And that what he's going to say is the absolute truth. In fact, Jesus didn't have to say truly to be speaking the truth. Everything he said was always the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said. No, you can count on the Lord Jesus Christ to tell you the truth about everything. Life after death, the nature of God, the nature of sin, the way of salvation. You're going to get it straight from him, exactly what the truth is. But he punctuates the statement right at the beginning with this affirmation of the truthfulness of it. So and it, it adds a, a solemnity to it at the same time. It's, it's a pronouncement. It's, it's a solemn pronouncement, especially the second half of what he says. And then he says, I say to you. Remember, this was uh, one of the things that set him apart from the scribes. That he, in chapter 1, we noted that they were amazed at his teaching because he taught on the basis of his own authority. The scribes, they were always quoting, Rabbi so-and-so said. Jesus doesn't say, Rabbi Hillel said. He says, I say unto you. So again, it's an assertion of the authority of, of Jesus. It's his words. You can bank on it that it's the truth. It Really, this statement is it's equivalent in the Old Testament to when Yahweh said, As I live, says Yahweh, which you find over and over again in the Old Testament. So, truly I say to you, that's equivalent to Yahweh saying, As I live, says the Lord, swearing by himself. God can swear by no greater than himself. So Jesus is still speaking to these scribes here. So it's important to note that. The delegation of scribes that were sent from Jerusalem, in verse 22 that we saw last week, they came down from Jerusalem and said, he's possessed by Beelzebul, and so on. We went over that last time. Okay, so that's the first point. I just wanted you to note how he introduces this. It's very powerful. It underlines it. Gives it a great emphasis. So first of all, in the first part of verse, or the second half of verse 28, I want to look at the bright side. So this text to me is like the moon. We only see one side of the moon, the bright side. But the other side is dark. There's a bright side to the moon and a dark side. And this text of Scripture is like that. These are two sides of the moon. And I want you to note the bright, beautiful side to begin with. The first thing that Jesus says. Truly I say to you, 
All sins will be forgiven the children of men and whatever blasphemies they say. Wow. All sins. The word here used for sins is not the typical one that we like to talk about of missing the mark. This is a word that it comes from the same word, but it emphasizes acts of sin. So he's not just talking about how sin falls short of God's glory, talking about the character of sin, kind of, what, what sin is. He's talking now about the acts of sin. So all acts of sin, however many a person has committed, however great those sins are, just think about this. Whatever they are, Jesus says they shall be forgiven. The children of men. That's an idiom for humanity. Now, he's just not declaring that everybody's sins are forgiven. That's not what he's saying. He's not making a pronouncement that everybody is forgiven now. I, uh, no, he's saying all sin has the potential or the capability of being forgiven by God. Doesn't matter how many sins, how great the sin is, they can all be forgiven. Now, the word for forgiven is brought out before. The, the original word means to be released. And this is how we are to conceive of divine forgiveness. When God forgives a person of their sins, he releases them from the guilt of the sin. It's like he takes an eraser and he wipes it out. He blots out the guilt, but it puts it in terms of being released from it because there is a, there is a great freedom that comes with forgiveness. I mean, it's a glorious thing that happens when God forgives our sins. To be released from sin. And when he releases us from sin, it's forever. Think of this. I'm going to underline a few things that are not actually said here, but I want to elucidate on it based on what the whole Bible says. When God forgives, sin is forgiven permanently. The Old Testament uses a few beautiful analogies in order to bring that out. It talks about God putting our sin in a bag and dropping it into the depths of the sea. This is found in Micah chapter 7. That, that gives the idea that it's lost forever. It's not going to be retrieved. Nobody's going to go down and fetch that sin, not even God. He's dropped it into the depths of the sea. It also uh, uses the analogy of God uh, casting our sins behind his back is another one. That to me is parallel to the promise in the new covenant that I will remember your sins no more. Now, if we remember them, <laughs> but God chooses not to remember them. When he forgives us, he drops them into the sea, he casts them behind his back, he remembers them no more. And then to add one more, 
in case we don't get the point, Psalm 103 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. Now, how far is the east from the west? Well, they go in opposite directions. So just keep going on into infinity. That's how far God has removed our sins from us. So with those assurances from the Word of God, we know something about the nature of God's forgiveness, how glorious it is, how wonderful it is to be forgiven by Him. I like Isaiah 118, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Or take what Paul preached in Acts 13, verse 38 and 39, when he says, speaking about Jesus Christ, through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which the law of Moses could not free you. That's Paul's preaching. It's theological in, it, in the way he states it. He had a Jewish audience here. This is exactly what they needed to hear. The law of Moses was a burden to them. The law cannot release you from your guilt before God. But through this man, Paul preaches, through Jesus the Savior, Men can be forgiven of sins, can be freed from everything from which the law could not free you. Beautiful way of saying it. Now, notice Jesus adds to that. All, all sins will be forgiven, the children of men. And then he adds, and whatever blasphemies they, they utter. Literally, whatever blasphemies they blaspheme is how it reads in the original. <laughs> whatever blasphemies they blaspheme. Now, what is blasphemy? Well, it's one of the worst sins a person can commit because this is a sin that has to do with your speech toward God Himself. This is this is irreverent, uh, the worst kind of reviling speech you can think of that would be directed at the Creator. And I remember hearing Madeline Murray O'Hare. Some of you have no idea who that was, but that was a famous female atheist back in the 1960s who managed to get prayer and the Ten Commandments out of the public school. She was the one responsible for that, Madeline Murray O'Hare. I remember hearing her say on TV once, calling Jesus Christ was a despicable man. And I can just still hear the tone of her voice when she said that. She hated Christianity and told her sons, you can become anything, I don't care what you become, but do not become a Christian. Well, lo and behold, one of her sons did become a believer, which is pretty ironic. But this is, this is language that people have used toward God, speech that is irreverent. It's uh, just the most terrible kind of uh, speech expresses uh, contempt for God. So even sin on that level, Jesus says, it can be forgiven. That's amazing, isn't it? 
That is what God is willing to forgive. The Apostle Paul was an example of that. He was a blasphemer. Do you know that? Saul of Tarsus was a blasphemer. Though he was a Pharisee, he persecuted the church. But he says in his letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, he said, I thank Christ Jesus my Lord who counted me worthy putting me into the ministry. He never got over the fact that he was called to serve Jesus Christ. He never got over it. He was always amazed by it. First thing he says, for I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor of the church, but I obtained mercy. And then he goes on to say, this is a saying worthy of everyone's acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was forgiven of his blasphemy. So this is a sin that can be forgiven. Jesus was blasphemed on the cross. He was reviled and mocked and blasphemed. His very first utterance from the cross, the first saying, there's seven sayings of Jesus from the cross. The first one was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. No, there was forgiveness for the blasphemers. It's important to understand the nature of forgiveness that we might enter into the experience of God's forgiveness. Of course, it's not going to mean much to a person, this promise, if they don't realize that they're a sinner. You have to, you're only going to appreciate this if you see yourself as a sinner before God. Now let's go to the next, the second half of this passage. This is the dark side now. Jesus warns against committing the one sin that's unforgivable. Verse 29, But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, and so on. So, Jesus has assured us that all all sins are capable of being forgiven with just one exception. And he names it here, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So it's important to understand who he said this to. I already mentioned that. He said said it to the, the scribes. Again, who were the scribes? Well, they were part of the very important religious leadership in Israel. They were the experts in the law of God. These were the men who were trained in legal matters with respect to God's law. They explained the law to people. They were guardians of the law. They were zealous for the law. But they had accused Jesus of being possessed by Beelzebul. We're not quite sure, is that Satan himself or is that like the chief demon in Satan's hierarchy? It doesn't really make any difference. It still comes down to the same thing. They were charging him with being evil, casting out demons by demonic power, essentially. So this is what they charged Jesus with, that he is in cahoots with Satan Casting out demons by demonic power that Jesus himself was possessed. 
So this, this was really a serious, serious misjudgment on their part. Think of this. How did Jesus cast out demons? Well, we, we know how he did it. He did it by divine power, particularly the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, when the Holy Spirit came on him in the form of a dove at his baptism, his baptism was the beginning of his public ministry. So as he was going to enter into public service, preaching and healing and so on, the Spirit of God came on him to show that he was anointed with the Spirit. He was going to be empowered by the Spirit in his works. But they said he had an unclean spirit. He had a filthy spirit is what it means. This, is, this was a complete perversion of spirit here in them. That they judged the light of Jesus as being dark. They called good evil. This is what Paul defines in Romans chapter 1 as a reprobate mind. This is the ultimate judgment that can come on an individual. To be given over to a reprobate mind. What is that? Well, a reprobate mind is someone whose mind is so corrupt, so debilitated by sin, that they are no, their thinking is no longer able to like, make serious, right, correct, moral judgments on any matter. Their mind is twisted. This is a bad state to be in. Some people are in this. I'm not saying anybody here is this way. I'm just saying a reprobate mind is a serious condition. And to me, it, is, it goes along with these people here who said Jesus was casting out demons by demon, by demonic power. When he was doing it by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is being blasphemed here. This is what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. It is to attribute the miraculous works of Jesus that were by the Holy Spirit to attribute them to the devil. Can people still commit such a sin? Yeah, I think so. I think that people can commit a sin of this nature. So this was to deny the agency and power of the Holy Spirit and to call the Holy Spirit's power Satan's power. Imagine that. Imagine the offensiveness to the Holy Spirit to have had them say this about Jesus. Peter preached in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This is in Peter's sermon in the house of Cornelius. But notice how he, he describes the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the perfect description of it. The correct description of Jesus that he was God had anointed him with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus is called Christ, Christos, that's the equivalent to the Hebrew Old Testament, Mashiach, which means 
the anointed one. Jesus was the anointed one. Every time he's called Christ, he's called the anointed one. Anointed, well, there were three offices in the Old Testament. Three, the prophet, the priest, and the king. They were all anointed with oil when they entered upon their task, upon their office, their duty as a prophet, a priest, and a king. So we say that Jesus, he actually was all three of those. He, he was a prophet. He's a, the priest, and he's a king, and he's anointed by with all. Nobody poured oil on his head. He was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. That was the dove coming down, anointing Jesus at his baptism. So you put all that together, this is what it means. Anointed for public ministry. The anointed one, meaning that he was going to be empowered by God. He's, he's been appointed by God. This is God's servant. God is putting him in this capacity. God is going to give him the authority to exercise these offices of prophet, priest, and king, and so on. It has all that meaning behind it when he's called the anointed one. But they said that he's possessed of the devil. He's possessed by Satan. This was, this was a horrific thing to say about the Lord Jesus Christ. This was to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And notice the seriousness of it. And I want to give it to you in the original, what it says. Literally, this is how the Greek reads. The one who blasphemes the Holy Spirit has not forgiveness to eternity, but is liable to eternal judgment. That's, that's what is, is said here. Our text says an eternal sin. It just means it's a sin that has no forgiveness. It's going to follow a person into eternity and will be punished accordingly by God. So a very terrible thing. Those are words to kind of make you shudder a little bit. That's the dark side. And then he, Mark adds, has already said, for they had said he has an unclean spirit. So that, that, that's getting back to it. But Jesus had the Holy Spirit. His ministry was empowered by the Holy Spirit. But the scribes said he had an unclean spirit. Wow. This is a really outrageous offense. And that's how it should hit us. Now, a question that comes up in going through this passage is, well, did they, did they actually commit this sin, or is Jesus warning them of the possibility that they better be careful? Nobody has an answer to that, and I, I can't answer it. it. The Bible leaves it open. We don't know. They could have crossed that line. Or maybe Jesus was warning them, watch out, be careful what you say. So and there's not even a point in trying to address that. But we can say, at the very least, it's a, it's a warning. There's a dark side to it. Now, I can say this with 100% certainty, that if a person is worried about having done this. 
that shows you have not committed the unpardonable sin right there. A fear, a worry, or anxiety about it shows don't have that worry or anxiety. You have not committed that sin. A person who has committed this sin does not care. They're, they're, they could care less about what I'm saying this morning. Seriously. So just that fact that if a person is worried, you know, I did something really bad, or something I said years ago, it's just coming back to me now what I said. Oh, I wonder if I'd done this. No, don't worry about it. You haven't committed this sin. Focus on the first part. All kinds of sins, even blasphemies, will be forgiven. Men, dwell there. Just camp out there. That's why Jesus gives us that to begin with. He begins with a beautiful thing to put people at ease, but he needed to have this serious warning afterwards. Yeah, the word of assurance that all sins and blasphemies God is willing to forgive. You know, in the New Testament, there's not a single example, not a single example of somebody who came to Jesus for forgiveness and was turned away. That's a beautiful thing to think about. Nobody who ever came to him was denied forgiveness. Now, we have the rich young ruler who came and said, Lord, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus went through, well, have you kept the law? And he names, he says, I've done all those things. And then Jesus said to him, well, you lack one thing, sell all your riches and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. And the rich young ruler turned and walked away. He, he couldn't do that. So we do have that example of somebody who walked away, but he didn't come asking for forgiveness. It was, he was thinking, what can he do to earn eternal life? So it's a little different matter there. He could not comply with Jesus' conditions for following him. Now apply the sweet and precious promise of 1 John 1, 9. You've heard me quote it before. It's a verse in John's first letter. It's written to Christians. But I, I, it can have application to anyone who hears the gospel. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a promise. Now, to confess there means to say the same thing about. That's what the, that's what the word means, the original. So when we confess our sins, we're, we're saying the same thing that God would say about what we did. Oh, Lord, I know that this was a terrible thing that I did. And we, we're making a confession. This is how you get forgiveness. This is how you obtain God's forgiveness. Go to him and confess to him. Confess your sin. Ask him to save you from it. On the other hand, there's people who want to cover their sin. <laughs> there's two ways to deal with your personal sin. I like it. The Bible is very simple about it. Con- cover it or confess it. Book of Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covers his sin shall not prosper. But whosoever confesses and forsakes his sin shall find mercy. So couple 
That Old Testament text, Proverbs 28.13 with 1 John 1.9. Beautiful. There we have it. Don't try to cover your sin. You can't hide any sin from God. He knows it all. But there's some people who think they can get away with sin. Just bury it. No, the best thing to do is to take it and drop it in front of Jesus and confess it to him, everything. Tell him all. Tell him your heart. Make confession for forgiveness. Well, so far in Mark's gospel, we haven't had a lot of sayings from Jesus. They've been minimal. But what he has said has come in kind of couplets of verses and some amazing things he has said. And I just want, to, want us to ask the question, who is this Jesus who makes these bold, authoritative pronouncements? Who does he think he is? I mean, who in the right mind, if he's not who he says he is, can say these kind of things? Especially what we just read now about sin, blasphemy, sin that goes on into eternity, not being for. Who is he to say things like that? Well, it reminded me of C.S. Lewis. Some of you know who C.S. Lewis is, some of you do not. C.S. Lewis was a famous, he became famous. Professor of English Literature at Oxford and Cambridge. Very smart man. In the 1920s, 30s, he taught until his death in 1963. C.S. Lewis became a Christian in about 1929, 1930. But he was an unbeliever for all the years before that. After he became a Christian, he wrote many books that... Christians and the church have come to appreciate. One of them is called Mere Christianity, which is an apologetic work for the Christian faith. And I like his famous statement that's found in that book. He's asking the question about, you know, who is Jesus? And he really doesn't give us the option of, of dismissing him as a great moral teacher. And I want you to listen to C.S. Lewis's reasoning why that is not an option to believe that about Jesus, that he was just some great man or great teacher of the past. Listen, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. What a statement. So true. Who was the Lord Jesus Christ to say what he said here in our text today? 
Thank you for joining us and listening to this message from the Ministry of Grace Providence Church in Cerritos, California. For more information, visit our website at www.graceprovidencechurch.org.